Ember, and what we're doing is taking a look at the primary things that bind us together as the church under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are the church because of Christ. We are the body of Christ. But we're bound together not by these four walls or by our preferences or uh, by the fact that we like similar things. We're bound together by promises. Promises. That's what holds the church together in Christ. The promises that God makes to us. I will be your God. The promises we make to God and I will be yours through our faith in Jesus Christ. And then together, uh, the promises that we make to each other and to God uh, that hold us together as a church. We, we have these promises that we make. I wonder if you remember them, what we take these vows when we join the church. Uh, I wonder if you remember them. We say, uh, we will faithfully participate in the life of the church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Maybe by the end of it, we got a couple more weeks, you'll, you'll get it and you'll have it and uh, uh, you won't have to worry about remembering. But our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And today we're going to be talking about our service and the promise that we make for that. And so I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse uh, 35 through 45, as we hear Jesus teach his disciples about the nature of service. Hear the word. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him, that is Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand in glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. And then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten, that is the other ten disciples, when the ten heard this, They began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be the first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, in newspaper editing rooms and uh, magazine editing rooms about this time, uh, people are starting to get together their, one of their most important issues of the year, and it will be the greatest person of 2019. You hear those? I see all those that come out in late November and December. You've got to figure out who the ex-top richest people are and who the person of the year is in Time Magazine, and the greatest this and the greatest that is about to come, and I always enjoy seeing them, but I'm disappointed by them every single year. Every single year. And there's the same thing disappoints me, issue after issue, year after year, and that's that I'm not in them. 
I try hard, y'all. But I'm not in them. And neither is anybody that I know. These people that are so great, I don't know any of them. But I do know people who are even greater. I do know people even greater than the Time Magazine People of the Year. People who are unsung servants who give of themselves deeply in the name of Jesus to other people. I think about that. I'll speak for myself, and maybe you'll agree with this. Uh, I have recognized in myself and others a yearning for greatness and significance. It's kind of like we want our lives to matter, and one of the ways that we see that play out is to be a great person and a significant person. But the way that we pursue greatness, the kind of significance that we pursue, that matters to Jesus, and therefore it should matter to us too. What does it then mean to be great in the eyes of Jesus? How should we pursue that greatness in Jesus? And so Mark chapter 10 tells the story of these two disciples who are trying to make it to the top of the newsstands with their name and lights, James and John, the two greatest disciples of all time. And Jesus meets their ambition with a tough lesson. Greatness comes through service. Greatness comes through service. Man, this is an interesting story. I love this. So if you read right before this, you're following along in the story. Jesus has pulled his disciples together and predicted that he's going to die. A little dark, but hey, that's what Jesus was doing. And this, this is the moment that James and John decided. Have you ever met somebody who can't read the room? It's like they laugh when they should be crying. It's like, slow down, son. James and John decide right after Jesus has predicted his death that they're going to ask for something. And I love how they do it. They say, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. And here's a word to the wise. Uh, When that question comes to you, there's a red flag. Just listen carefully. If my children ever came out, Dad, I want you to do anything I want you to do. Okay. (laughs) And And Jesus says, I love Jesus too, because Jesus doesn't buy into kind of the games we play. If you'll notice, you'll notice this throughout, he says, okay, what do you want me to do for you? This is what they say. They say, grant us to sit at your right hand and your left hand and glory. And uh, that's more than just, hey, I want to sit next to you. Those are positions of significance and power and authority in the great kingdom that Jesus is coming to bring into uh, existence. They want the power positions, the significant positions. Now, before we get all judgy and and say, hey, uh, James and John, those guys are doing it wrong. I I mean, let's just be honest. It's not a completely unreasonable request. After all, James and John were right there at the beginning. They were among the first disciples. They've got tenure. They've got the experience. They've got seniority. They've been with Jesus. They sacrificed a lot. They left a bunch of stuff to go and follow him. They left their jobs and their family. And and so it's, it's kind of reasonable that there might be some kind of reward for their sacrifice, some opportunity for advancement. I mean, there comes a point, right, when a position comes available, those who deserve it should get it. I mean, I recognize that. I mean, I wonder if you can relate to that. I mean, you work for a few years. You're doing a fine job. You put in more hours than other people. Uh, your neighbor talks too much, but you keep focused. You, your, other, your other cubicle mate takes too many sick days, but you come to work with your sinus infection, and uh, you make your doctor's appointments on weekends. And so when the time for promotion comes along, you should get the job, right? 
I mean, you just, we understand that, that surely they deserved those places of authority. And so James and John, uh, I think, reasonably think that their tenure in service it earns them some uh, closer position with Jesus that carries more weight and authority. They, they want to be great. And their request makes sense according to the conditioning of the world that they lived in and that we live in. I mean, that, you take that deep yearning. I, I, I would be surprised if anybody in here has not had some sort of yearning to be significant in some way. You take that yearning, you match it with the currents around us and how other people become great, and it makes sense. It makes sense. But the way they're going about achieving greatness, and even the kind of greatness that they want, apparently does not make sense for a follower of Jesus. It doesn't make sense for a follower of Jesus. Jesus turns things upside down and really confounds our understandings, but but really it's in a way that gives life. You see, James and John thought that greatness came through position and tenure. And it turns out that Jesus has a different understanding of what makes people great. So Jesus answers their question, their request, basically with two statements. And each one of those illustrates exactly why this idea of service is the kingdom's definition of greatness. And really illustrates why we still today promise God and one another, our service to the ministry. Okay, so the first thing uh, that Jesus responds to them is he says, can you drink the cup that I am about to drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? A couple of things. I can drink it if there's no backwash, and that's a lot of times to say baptism, right? No. I mean, it's, it's really symbolic language. Jesus is talking about this cup I'm about to drink is, is going to be my death, that I give myself up for the life of the world. This baptism that I am about to be baptized with is the baptism of my blood poured out for many. And so what Jesus is essentially saying to them, they're they're metaphors for about Jesus dying on behalf of the work of God, about giving himself completely everything he has for the mission of God. What he's asking them when he's saying, are you willing to do this like I'm doing this? He says, are you willing to completely deny yourself and give yourselves completely for God's mission in the world. You want to be great? Here's what it requires. Are you willing to completely deny yourself and give yourself totally to God's mission? Greatness comes through that self-emptying, through that self through that self-giving, not on my behalf, not on your behalf, not even necessarily a semantic argument on behalf of somebody else, but on behalf of God who works on behalf of somebody else. Not so that through my sacrifice I can gain something or through my sacrifice I can feel a way, but that greatness comes through me saying the mission of God, the kingdom of God, which I tried my hardest to seek first, is worth more to me than anything that I hold dear. So greatness comes through identifying with Jesus' mission in the world in a way that Jesus identifies with him. Letting go of ourselves the same way that Jesus did by giving our lives to the will of God and by giving our lives of ourselves to others. This is Christian service. This is service. Greatness comes that way. And I think part of the reason that we 
vow to one another, that we make the promise that I will faithfully support the church through my service, is that um, I need to tell you that I want to be that person. Because I need you to know that so that I know that you know that. Because quite frankly, it's hard to give of myself. It's all of us. It's hard to take what's important and say God is more important. Just as an example of how hard it is to give up even simple things, I have a hard time spending an extra dollar on name brand mayonnaise. I want my dollar. I know you, you don't eat generic mayonnaise. I get this, but you get the point. But what about something more important? I know, Neil, it's horrible. You only serve the good stuff at the Rusty Pig. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that what about the things that are really important? I need you to know that I want to be the kind of person that, that puts God first, that I want to pour myself out in service to others, and you need to know that I know that about you so that we can support one another around that lest we hide in the darkness and not do it. Because we want to be that person. We want to be like that for Christ, to pour ourselves out in service. If you want to be great, are you willing to deny yourself and to give yourself completely to God's service? We vow to do it because it's good for the mission of God and it's good for us. So Jesus, uh, after a little squabble, uh, the disciples, uh, I know church people don't do this, but the disciples squabble a little bit. Um, the second thing Jesus tells his disciples, all of them together, is he says, you know that among the Gentiles, and that Gentiles is referring to non-Jewish people, basically the pervading culture, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, they lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. That phrase has always arrested me. It's just kind of like, this is the way it is, but it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must become your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave to all. And this is the reason why, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom for many. So it's it's like James and John are acting like the power-hungry people in the culture around them. It's just what they're conditioned to do. But Jesus says, it's not to be that way. I get it that there are people on magazines that are people of the year and uh, billionaires 10 years running. I get it, and I get the way that you see people get power uh, by being a little pushy or by being, looking out for number one or uh, for not caring about uh, ethics or the work of others uh, and not taking care of what matters in their lives. I get that you see that. I get that you see that, but it's not to be so among you. I get that on your ladder to the top that you're often stepping on people instead of ladder rungs. I get that you see that everywhere. I get that you have to put your own soul at stake or the soul of others or the well-being of somebody else at stake to get to the top. I get that you see that, but it is not to be that way among you. Why? Because that's not the way I'm doing it, Jesus says. If you want to be great, you need to be a servant because that's what I am doing, Jesus says. You see, this is an interesting part about Jesus using himself as an example for this service because in doing so, he gives us the target. We are to be like Jesus, to serve like Jesus. He is the one we emulate, not what we see all around us. And what the greatness that we see all around us, it will one day be dead and gone. I mean, i just give you a little bit of perspective there. It'll be dead and gone. You hear the old thing, like, the, uh, I love this. It's older preachers, long before me, have always told the best little jokes to say you never see a hearse with a u-haul behind it unless it's a joke i did have one person actually do that to counter the joke please don't <laughs> i mean you can pay for whatever you want i guess 
we vow ourselves to service because it's good for the kingdom, but also because we want to follow this example of Jesus because that's what matters. And listen, it's not just good for you later because your, your greatness in Christ will last. It matters for you now because when we do the things that Jesus does in Jesus' name, we actually are formed and shaped. We are transformed. We are transformed. And it matters now because selflessness and acts of service for others and on behalf of the Lord, it, it actually is an antidote for a prevailing illness of society that we're all susceptible to, and that is the selfishness of our time. We live, and I guess we always have, in a very self-centered time. And it touches everybody. Uh, serving others is an antidote for, for the selfishness that, we, that leads us to feel like we're entitled to anything. It's an antidote to the selfishness that leads us to our high horses and our immature indignations as if everything that we think is all that really matters. It's an antidote to the selfishness that leads to making everybody but me responsible for me. An antidote to the selfishness that is willing to use somebody else for our gain and that is willing to put a wall around ourselves so that nobody can really see how hurt or broken we are. To serve others tears that down. It's like, it's like taking the medicine for the illness. It helps us become like Christ. And that is, after all, the goal of discipleship. To serve other people helps us become more like Christ. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. So greatness comes through service. Greatness comes through service. And our service is good for us. It's good for the kingdom of God. And it's good for other people. All around us, are things that God wants to do for the kingdom. And sometimes they're tasks, and sometimes it's ministry to people. There are things all around that God wants to have done uh, for the movement of his kingdom and for the salvation of all people. There are huge things, and there are very little things. And do you know how God wants to get that done? Through us. Through us. In fact, we were all created with a need to serve. And as we are baptized by the Spirit of God, we are given gifts to do it. There is, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you do something good, you say, wow, I feel better about it than the person I helped. That's because you have hit this primal need created in you to serve. And you will never be more fulfilled and more alive than when you serve others in the name of Christ. Because it meets that deep need. And so do you want to be a part of God's work? Do you want to serve other people? To serve God by serving in the world? And if you do, I want to challenge you to do just a few short things. First thing is this. Practice this. Let go of your need for recognition and your need for status. Let go of it. When I was in theater class, I, I have I'm a th- theater undergraduate uh, degree, by the way, if that's weird to you, I'm sorry. I paid for it, not to you. Um, when I was in theater class, a lot of, actually, actually, I'm still paying, I'm still paying for it. I'm still, pay, I'm still paying for it, not you. Um, when I was in theater class, a lot of my directors had this saying, he said, there are no small parts in a play, there are small actors, right? And it wasn't talking about the fact that I was four foot 11 in high school. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to be great by serving you by not responding. I kid, I kid. I love it. But listen, in the same same way, there are no tasks too small for disciples of Jesus. 
even if there's no recognition, and I would venture to say especially if there's no recognition. We serve for the smile of Jesus, not our own gain or the applause of others. So let go. Practice. It's going to be hard. Let go of your need to be recognized and to have status. Second thing, if you want to serve, look at the world through a servant's eyes. One, we, our brains move so fast, we're thinking about tomorrow, thinking about something else, thinking about yesterday. You might not even see what's in front of you. I often don't see what's in front of me. Or we might be looking for how I can best get the leg up in any given situation, how I can achieve the feeling that I want to feel or get what I want to get. If we look through a servant size, what we can do is look instead with what I see, what would please Jesus if I did it? That'll take some practice, I think. Look through the world through a servant size. Third thing you can do if you want to serve is make time. I'm going to give you a very hard truth, and it's very simple. And I've said it to myself all week long, so I feel comfortable saying this to you. We make time for the things that are important to us. We just do. It's it's just the truth. We often don't have enough time. We feel stretched, but that's because we made choices about making time for the things that are important to us. And I don't know if you know this or not, but at least half of the time, we get to make some choices. Where are you spending your time? Make some time to serve. It's not going to happen by accident. Make some time to serve. And the fourth thing is don't be overwhelmed by the amount of need out there. You might be inspired today, like one of you might be inspired today, and you might say, uh, I'm going to end poverty. It's overwhelming, isn't it? And you might say, wow, I don't know how to do that. Wow, I can't do that. When? Well, now I can't do anything because I can't make the biggest difference in the world. Don't be overwhelmed by the amount of need out there. Andy Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta, has a phrase and a mindset that I love. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can't do everything all the time. You just can't. You're finite. But you know what? There's going to become a time where what you wish you could do for everybody, you can do for the person in front of you. And you can make time for it. And you can do it without the need for recognition. And you can do it as a servant of God. And so if you would like to come alive in service to celebrate the fact that God works through you, those are some ways that you can get started. There is a need within each one of us to be great like James and John, but we don't have to be on the cover of a magazine to do it. We don't even have to be lifted up by other people to do it. We simply need to serve. To be great, we serve. And this is the way that leads to life. Life for you and me and life for the world. So I want to invite you, if you are interested in making a commitment to serve, uh, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to invite you to make it your own. And the way I'm going to do that is this, that you might put your arms out maybe on your lap as if you're receiving from the Lord, and I'm going to pray this prayer slowly so that you have time uh, to repeat it in your head if you are so uh, inclined to do so. It's a prayer of commitment. Would you do this with me? Lord, I offer myself to you. Use me to do whatever is needed no matter how small. Show me the things that I can do today, and I will do them. Show me the people that you wish for me to serve, and I will serve them. And from today forward, I will seek to serve you and not myself. I offer myself to you. Use me to do whatever is needed, no matter how small. Amen. Amen. As we come to a time